You're listening to WTSN, and this is Fleet News Pulse. This cycle on the Pulse. The 4th Light Division runs into trouble in the Poseidon Rift. Pirates and Penrath rear their heads. A mysterious explosion. And we speak to a master programmer chef. And of course, our regular news roundup. All this on the Pulse. Here is the news roundup of recent events in the operational area of the 4th Light Division. There is considerable speculation throughout Promethean Command as to the status of both conditions in the infamously unstable Poseidon Rift and of the 4th Light Division, who are officially now missing in action, as it is reported they are significantly overdue for their last scheduled check-in. At the beginning of their last shift, the 4th Light Division, consisting of TSN Sabre, TSN Horizon and TSN Viper, was deployed to the Poseidon Rift to investigate anomalous control telemetry from the Poseidon Gate in the Ariatus system. The rift was found to be unusually quiet in terms of gravimetric phenomena, and a pair of asteroid bases was found in the possession of elements of the Unical High Space Force and unregistered pirate forces, likely Penrath Corporation, though that remains to be verified. Reports are not yet complete, but it appears that this was the source of recent criminal interference in the Ariatis system. Subsequently, the division was called in to perform a search and rescue mission in the rift for a classified ONI scientific exploration team who had missed several scheduled contacts. Caltrons were encountered in the unstable rift areas and contact was successfully re-established with the missing reconnaissance team. While partial comms contacts indicate the assets of the recon force were secured, a jump gate malfunction and build-up of unstable rift conditions has cut off all contact. Wait, I... I'm receiving a live update from our command center liaison, Lieutenant Turnes. It appears that it appears that despite some damaged communications equipment, the division has successfully navigated back to Promethean Command and is probably on their way to the galley as we speak. Everyone at WTSN would like to extend our heartfelt welcome home. It is good to see you. Many of us who eat replicated food may wonder who designed this meal. Here on Rangus 2, however, locals know exactly who to thank for a delicious meal. Rangusite Oolong Lapdar, aged 112, is the most prolific replicator recipe designer of all time. Lapdar has developed nearly 100,000 recipes, including the incredibly popular dishes Mom's Savory Meatloaf and After Exercise Supplement Number 7. Professor Lapdar, you've had quite the career, over 65 years writing replicator recipes, but I understand you've decided to retire. What prompted that decision? Ah, has it only been 55? It feels like 105. To be honest with you though, it's not the years, it's just that I've run out of ideas. A sort of uh, recipe writer's block, if you will. Yes, my notes here say you've developed 92,400 recipes, which is an incredible number. How did you manage to come up with as many as you did? Well, actually, it started as a way to get my children to eat their dinner. The replicated food back then was just awful, designed by some nutritionist in a lab who didn't care what it tasted like. At first, I just started tweaking the programmed recipes. But eventually, I was designing my own, based on meals my parents cooked. Incredible. So your hobby turned into a career. What a dream. Oh, yes. It was quite wonderful at first. But once I ran out of home cooking, it really felt like a job. 
I had to go as far as hunting down archived cookbooks to find things I hadn't done yet. Towards the end, I was just making variations on my own recipes, really. My zesty applesauce number one, for instance. It's really just cinnamon applesauce number two, with about half the cinnamon subroutine replaced with a ginger subroutine. Fascinating. One last question for you, Professor. What is your favorite replicated meal? Hmm, for starters, I think I'd have to go with the crispy, cheesy, pasty bites number two, paired with zippy mayo sauce at the spice level of uh, three. Starters? Then creamy, tangy chicken number three. Uh-huh. Extra sauce to go with spiral noodles number uh, 12, al dente. That sounds... W- and Asian autumn vegetable mix number four. Those go really well together. I'm sure. Well, it's been... Then, for dessert, well, <laughs> I can never choose my favorite. So, I like to get a half portion of satay caramel flour just chocolate cake and a half portion of honey treacle green apple tart number two. Lovely, I'm... With whipped cream number five on the side. Of course. I'm sure our audience is grateful for the recommendations. Oolong Lapdar, thank you for your time, and I hope you enjoy retirement. A recent explosion near the USFP border has shown signs of electromagnetic resonance. While our TSN security liaison, Lieutenant Commander Hall, has told us that it was an effect of a comet interacting with the gases of a proto-nebula, after further investigation... What? Matthew, what do you, what do you think you're doing? No, what? no, it'll be fine. After further investigation, the Fleet News Service has verified that it is not a natural occurrence, but in fact the signs of an explosion generating massive amounts of energy. The detonation was five parsecs from the Satari cluster, where there are multiple newly formed colonies. The effects of the resultant fallout is still unknown. While there is no official information about the source of the blast, a source from within the security agency supplied us with evidence that Nixora Tech was involved. The source agreed to speak with us only under conditions of anonymity. This exchange was recorded while the subjects in question were under surveillance at a bar in one of the Satari colonies. So, uh, how are you enjoying your stay? My vacation is going as planned, but I'm still waiting for my friend to bring me a gift I have to deliver. Hmm, I'm, I'm sure it'll get to you by this evening so you can move forward with your plans. The two voices are suspected Nixora agents, and our source explained the gift was in fact a miniaturized cascade device. Apparently, it was in transit to arrive at the bar soon. What happened after you overheard the discussion? I notified my superiors and we scanned every ship in port. There was a magnetic resonance on one of the larger liners, but we were outside of USFP space and couldn't get aboard without tipping our hand. However, we did get the buyer's possible flight path. And where did that lead? It was supposed to rendezvous with a transport ship on its way out of the cluster. However, that transport was delayed. I won't go further into that. I think I understand. Apparently the middleman took it upon himself to transport the device the rest of the way. I attempted to follow the ship, but he shook my tail. I do know this. Long-range scans showed life support failing and some energy spikes throughout the ship. Life support was failing? You didn't try to render any assistance? If his life support went out, then that would solve the problem. I guess, but I would think. (sighs) Either way, at this time we are unable to determine his destination. However, we can guess that he either didn't have the facilities needed to transport such delicate equipment, or... Or? Or our intel might be wrong, and this was his plan all along. That would be cause for concern. Thank you for your time. Back to you in the studio. That's all we have for this cycle. 
Join us next time as we delve further into the news and views of Promethean Command. This has been Fleet News Pulse. This is the Fleet News Service, the finest news service in the world. This show is part of the Planetside Productions Network. For more information, please visit www.planetside.pro. And thank you for listening.